Can I ask you a few bonus questions? Short, of course. rapid fire? Yeah. Of course. I'm bad at rapid fire. Yeah. Force me to do it. Yes. So. Okay. So if you had one piece of advice for a person who wants to succeed in your field, however you define it, I imagine you call yourself a journalist much of the time, what would it be? Listen to people, go and sit with people, talk to them, go and talk to everyone because you never know who's going to tell you the amazing thing that you needed to know. What, if anything, do you wish you had done? Oh, I would say, can I want to write yeah. that and get the fuck off Twitter and social media? I don't look at them. I use that. I broadcast, but don't receive. Mm -hmm. You will not find the interesting answers to interesting things in social media. You'll find them in the actual meat world. What, if anything, do you wish you had done differently in your 20s or 30s? Oh, God, so many things. You know, I was motivated a lot by a lot of these junk values. I was too concerned about how I looked to other people and not concerned enough about the intrinsic value of my work. Not all the time. You know, I'm not saying I, was to I wasn't a Trump-like figure, but so I think really connecting with look, my books, the ones I've already written and the ones that I am writing are, I identify a question I think is important that I genuinely want to know the answer to and don't know the answer to. What causes addiction? How can we solve the addiction crisis? What causes depression? Why is it rising? How can we solve this for me and for other people? Connect with a question you think is really important and genuinely try to find the answer and be open-minded about it. And I wish I'd done that a bit sooner. It's not so I didn't do some useful work. I did, but I think I would have done more useful work if I'd figured that out 20, mm. you know, 15 years earlier. Mm. Nice. 10 years from now, what do you think you'll regret doing too much of or too little of at this point in your life? Oh, eating KFC. I relapsed oh, recently. Oh, okay. <laughs> have I told you my moment where I, in 2009 on Christmas Eve, I went to my local KFC in East London and um, it was lunchtime and I said my normal order, which is so disgusting, I won't even repeat it. Mm. And the guy behind the counter said, oh, Johan, I'm really glad you're here. I was like, okay. And he, uh -oh. went, he went off and he came back. First name basis. Is already, that a problem? already a bad sign. He came back with every member of staff and a fucking massive Christmas card in which they'd written to our best customer and they'd all signed it. And one of the reasons my heart sank is I thought, this isn't even the fried chicken shop I come to the most, right? Uh -huh. like, so anyway, I immediately went cold turkey on KFC and lost loads of weight uh -huh. and came off antidepressants, which also meant I lost loads of weight not long afterwards. And um, I've subsequently slightly relapsed. I've not gone back to antidepressants and I've not gone back to the industrial quantity of KFC. But yeah, so eating KFC, I'll be in the cardiac ward and you can come and visit me and play this clip and be like, you fucker, you should have listened to me. Well, <laughs> when they start addressing you by name, you know that you've... <laughs> That's right, your life has gone wrong. You've slid too far. What book should everybody read? Oh, This Changes Everything by Naomi Klein is, I think, the biggest crisis in the world is the, the climate crisis, the breakdown of the climate. That is a book that is not just saying, oh, woe is us, isn't it all bad? That's a book about how we can prevent catastrophic global warming that is absolutely realistic, identifies the forces that are driving it, and identifies a practical way we can stop it. I can't think of a more important book than that. I would name one other one. If people are feeling really pessimistic because of some of the things we've talked about in terms of President Trump, Hope in the Dark by Rebecca Solnit. It's a wonderful book about the values of political hope. What negative experience, one that you would not wish to repeat, has most profoundly changed you for the better? Hmm. You know, I was a newspaper columnist for a long time, and I was a polemicist. And that involves kind of raging at the, standing above people and raging at the world and issuing condemnations. And when I stopped doing it, that experience of having done that for 10 years, when I stopped doing it and started writing books, which are much more about stories and open-ended questions, I realized not just that polemicizing is 
So I realized a few things about polemicizing. One is, it's not really very true. It's too simplistic. The world is much more complicated than you can contain in a kind of polemic. I mean, on narrow things, one can polemicize. I don't know. Upton Sinclair's The Jungle about meat contamination. That's mm. a very good polemic. Okay, that's, uh, I'm not saying you, there's no role for polemic. But I think it's partly that it's not very true. I think it's also, it's just a very unhealthy way to be, to be standing above people and kind of wagging your finger, especially when you're in your 20s, we don't fucking know anything. And wagging, so I think the experience of being a polemicist was unhealthy for me. It made me a much less interesting and open and decent person. I think it, if you're doing that for a living, it reframes your whole pattern of thinking in ways that were unhealthy. And I think the experience of moving away from that uh, certainly has not solved all my flaws as a human being, but I do think is a much healthier way to live. So I generally now, you know, um, one of the causes of depression, anxiety, I write about in Lost Connections is childhood trauma and the evidence that childhood trauma makes you far more likely to become depressed and anxious and addicted unless you can deal with some of the shame around that. But one of the uh, doctors who did amazing work on this, Dr. Robert Ander, said to me, you know, the childhood trauma evidence shows us when we're confronted with people who are apparently who are behaving in apparently pathological ways, we need to ask much less what's wrong with you and much more what happened to you. And I think just generally in life, that's a more interesting and reorienting question. When confronted with things, if the instinct is to rage about them, pause for a second and say, not what's wrong with this person, but what happened to this person. Mm. What worries you most about our collective future? Oh, far and away, global warming. I mean, I, I, so about uh, eight years ago, I reported from Bangladesh, which is the lowest lying country in the world, also the most densely populated big country in the world. Bangladesh, even at the middle level predictions for global warming are right. Bangladesh isn't going to be there, right? In my lifetime, in your lifetime, if we live as long as our grandparents did. I went to the Arctic, you know, I think the figure is the Arctic, since the year I was born, 1979, the Arctic has lost, um, I think, 50% of its summer sea ice. I mean, we are living through an absolutely astonishing transformation. I mean, we had wildfires in Britain this summer, right? That's never happened. It, the fires burned down things, uh, revealed things that had been left over from Roman times when the Romans occupied Britain more than 2,000 years ago because we haven't ever had wildfires, right? In, in not just in living memory, in recorded history. If we, and one of the most catastrophic things about Trump is that he is, we had very little time on the clock to deal with this. And Trump has, you know, removed the rules about coal and the worst, most polluting fossil fuels. It's by far the most harmful thing Trump has done. And we'll be living with that. All future humans will be living with that. Consequences of that. So global warming, far and away, 100%. If you could resurrect one person from history and put them in our world today and give them the benefit of a modern education, who would you bring back? James Baldwin, but he doesn't need the modern education. Mm. He was the most wise and profound and beautiful human being. And I don't often want to meet people from the past because I just think they would disappoint you. But Baldwin was, people who haven't read, you know, uh, just Google everybody's protest novel, his novel about, about Uncle Tom's, his, his, sorry, his essay about Uncle Tom's cabin. Mm. He was the most profound and complex thinker, not just about race, not just about the United States, but about human pain. And he was the most kind, loving person. One of the things that breaks my heart is that he thought he was really ugly and he was actually kind of hot. Mm. So I think I would want to bring back James Baldwin. And the first thing I want to say to him is, you're really hot. Uh, <laughs> Why uh, did you think you were so ugly? Yeah. And then I would say, by the way, we still read all your books and you're amazing.
isn't there a, a documentary that just came out? Yeah, uh, no, uh, Nobody's Negro, something mm-hmm. like I, I, I Ain't Your right, Negro, something right. like that. It's quite good. I, I mean, if people want to watch a clip of uh, for free, just Google the debate between James Baldwin and William F. Buckley at the Oxford Union. It's on YouTube. Mm. It's from, I think, 1968. But just Google James Baldwin, William F. Buckley. I mean, it's like I actually met Buckley, weirdly, before he died. But the, I mean, Baldwin is like... It's the most eloquent thing I've ever seen. Mm. He's the most remarkable human being. And, and really alert to complexity, right? He's n- absolutely alert to racism is rooted in the pain of white people. This does not mean that Baldwin is not condemned. It's precisely, he, he says, if you, if you oppose racism, you precisely have to understand the pain that, 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 it, that it destroys white people. Not as much as it destroys African-Americans, of course, but, but that it, it, it destroys everyone in this equation. And if you want to understand it, just screaming at people, that, Baldwin is the opposite of screaming at people that they're racist, right? Right, right. Finally, the Jurassic Park question. If you were in a position to bring back the T-Rex, would you do it? For some reason, uh, a friend of mine who I knew when I was young reminded me of this. I never gave a shit about dinosaurs as a kid. Uh-huh. And I'm basically indifferent to them now. I right. don't really get why everyone cares so much. Would I bring it back? I mean, having watched the original Jurassic Park, probably not. But, ju- but then Michael Crichton was the most insane. Have you read any of his political? Michael Crichton yeah. wrote the maddest novel ever. The one which claims that Global warming is entirely the result of like... Well, yeah, toward the end of his life, he, he was giving lectures about the... the yeah, the he, he really graph, was. Yeah. Cra- so I have a slight... Pre- In fact, just to spite Michael Crichton, I would probably bring them back just so we could prove the Jurassic Park thesis <laughs> we, we can wrong. handle it, yeah. But it feels like spite is the wrong motive to bring back T-Rexes. So maybe that... I don't know. I, I'm in an internal dialogue here, which is probably not going to reach a useful conclusion. But... Uh, it, oh, wait. I've got a better answer. If it means that Chris Pratt will come and rescue me from that T-Rex, fuck yes. <laughs> okay, Chris, if you're listening. <laughs> you, even if there's no T-Rex, Chris, you can come and fucking rescue me, right? Mm.